welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Today, we are back in Acts chapter 3. And I've titled today's message, Refreshing Things Have Come Through Faith in Jesus' Name. Nothing truer could be said, refreshing times uh, for us Christians. And uh, we find ourselves in a, in a very profound and important passage. Last week as we departed, um, I, I stated how Christians must exercise faith in that which is unseen, those things unseen, and without faith it is impossible to please God. And, and this, this faith in the unseen, is, it's the means through which we enter Christ's kingdom today. Faith is, well, it's an essential element of salvation, and after celebrating the faith in Jesus displayed by the church at Colossae, the apostle Paul points to, to the following evidence of their faith. He said, it, it is, quote, it's the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven uh, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Likewise, our faith, our hope, our love, uh, they are vested in the unseen and our hope is laid up in heaven because our Lord and Savior Jesus is raised and He is now ascended into heaven. So our hope is there. He resides in heaven. And on the basis of faith, Paul announces to this same church with, with confidence that He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. We, we are, through faith in Christ's atonement for our sins, uh, we're, we're placed under His reign. He, he is the head of the church. He is our sovereign ruler, our sovereign king, having spared us from the eternal penalty of our sins in hell. Boy, this is exceedingly good news uh, to those of us here who spent a significant, significant portion of our lives as citizens in the domain of darkness. We, we've come to experience the refreshment of life, having trusted in Jesus Christ, and, and our church wants this for every person uh, present with us today. Um, before life in Christ, uh, before refreshment came, uh, only spiritual darkness reigned in our hearts, even if we pretended to be nice, even if we dressed up well on Sundays in dresses and suits and ties, um, spiritual darkness reigned. Before faith, oh, let's just admit it, before faith, our existence 
uh, our walking existence, uh, it, was, it was empty, it was lonely, it was sinful in so many ways. Our earlier scripture reading described us as dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we were dead. From the moment of conception, really, we resided in a domain of darkness, spiritually dead in sins, meaning we were separated from a relationship with God. We were dead. But Ephesians chapter 2 also revealed that, well, God made us alive together with Christ. He, he did this by giving us a gift. He gave us a gift. Uh, that, that gift was salvation. God's grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. Faith is a gift of God, where He gives life to spiritually dead people, totally depraved, sinful people, even us, even us. His, his love reaches that far. Deadness, well, it's a universal condition of all humanity from the moment of birth. Uh, we're born spiritually dead. We're, we're dead. Uh, that's the reason we need to be born again, folks. Because we're born first dead. So the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit includes making dead people alive to God. That spiritual rebirth uh, he does so according to his sovereign choice and according to this, the counsel of his will. Uh, he does so by giving the gift of faith. It's a gift. Folks, um, today isn't an election and predestination message. Um, sorry to, to some. We'll, we'll come back to it. Uh, but proceeding, uh, before we proceed to correctly interpret and understand this passage before us, uh, we must first clearly understand where faith comes from. Faith in Christ is, is not something that arises from within ourselves. Uh, dead, po dead people do not exercise faith, and we didn't choose Christ. Biblically, God chose us. When, when, the, when the question of free will arises uh, from time to time, it does. We don't, we don't go there every Sunday. Um, when the, the question of free will arises, the answer is that from the moment of our natural birth, we are dead. We aren't born with a free will at all. Our will at birth is held captive in bondage to sin, totally depraved, corrupt in nature. Our nature is children of wrath and without the capacity to free ourselves. We, we can't do it. Uh, just a clarification, this, this doesn't indicate or mean that an unsaved person is a robot or that they can't choose the color of car that they drive or which college to attend. It means he or she does not have the spiritual capacity to choose or believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, both the Old and New Testaments um, together 
consistently assure there is none who seeks for God, not even one. None. That's Romans 3. Therefore, Scripture reveals how God chooses to to spiritually resurrect us from the dead, make us alive to Him. He does so. He grants a spiritual rebirth. Jesus says you must be born again through the giving of His elect, the gift of faith. Jesus announces, there's reference in the adult study this morning to this as well, uh, Jesus announces this promise in John chapter 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Boy, and the one who comes to me, folks, listen today, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out, says Jesus. The sovereign power of God in salvation It assures an effectual call. It also assures an honest invitation. And thereby, in in Reformed theology, I I prefer to call it biblical theology, all glory is attributed to God, while the Christian takes zero credit for his or her spiritual rebirth. Zero. Nada. We confess nothing good in me exercised faith, Faith had to come from outside of me to make me alive. And that saving faith is the concern with the, with the it's an immense concern in our passage today. Um, we need to know this before reading this passage, uh, that the lame beggar, he didn't heal himself. He did not save himself. Faith wasn't in himself. The man is not portrayed as special, but as a lame beggar with nothing to offer anyone. Uh, The faith he receives in Christ, it was was also, like us, it was also given to him, that faith, as a gift from God. And the corresponding healing alongside of it, it merely offers Israel a visible evidence that their Messiah, Jesus, is is truly ruling from his throne. It's a testimony, as we discussed last week through the miracle. As we look at verse 11, the healing of the lame man also provides evidence that that times of refreshing have come. They they, they come through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, faith in Jesus' name. Still, the audience... Notice is also informed by Peter, who's God's spokesman, uh, the times of restoration are not yet. Full restoration has been delayed until Christ returns. Um, Today is the day of refreshing. These days have come. And as I stated uh, last Sunday, uh, this healing It serves as a supernatural sign, a wonder, a miracle, and a validation that what the twelve apostles proclaim, what they offer on this day, what what they announce in Christ is true. Times of refreshing have come to Israel through Jesus Christ, the Holy and Righteous One, the Prince of Life whom this listening audience had crucified. 
Beginning in verse 11, we're reminded of the crippled man who, was, who had just been healed. It says, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through Jesus has given him the perfect health in the presence of you all." Uh, like last week, the man is again portrayed as passive in the passage. Uh, the faith and the health, the perfect health, were given him. Um, continuing to read in verse 17, Peter says, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God, the, God spoke by the mouth of, the, of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant of God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God has raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Phew, the second sermon from, from Peter is a mouthful. A mouthful. Very challenging passage for me this week. Uh, not, not to understand. It's actually quite straightforward and simple to understand, but difficult to parse and, and to appropriate emphasis in the correct uh, places where we feel that Peter was making his, his most prominent emphasis. Um, there's no way to plow through all this today. Uh, I intend to divide it into three three overarching themes over three Sundays. That's the plan as it stands today. 
And the first one is that this healing of the lame man, it is not characteristic of Christ's spiritual kingdom during this age, obviously. All kinds of crippled and lame people uh, who have strong faith in Jesus Christ, uh, who, who remain crippled and maimed and injured uh, today. No, rather, this miracle has been provided to Israel as a sample of what will be experienced by every lame man and woman in the future kingdom of Christ on earth. The full restoration will be after Christ returns. Clearly in the passage, it is His second coming that will signal the restoration of all things. This age, it's a season of refreshing. It's refreshing through faith and God's grace through faith, uh, faith in those things that are unseen. Uh, it's how we gain entrance into the kingdom. Uh, we, we are not going to get a chance or an opportunity, folks, uh, to see the reign of Christ on earth by sight in order to determine whether or not we want Jesus as our Messiah. We don't get to peek through that curtain first. Ooh, that looks nice. I'd like to go. No, no, no. That, that's not how God's economy by faith works. We must enter the kingdom by faith. And this healing and others that we'll see in the book of Acts and elsewhere, they're not characteristic of this age. But perfect health does serve as an example of living in Christ's kingdom in the kingdom age, the physical age, the future age, the restoration of all things. You've got to enter today by faith. That, that, that's today. Uh, secondly, next Sunday, you know, God having overlooked your period, my period of ignorance, e even the most heinous sins of our lives, uh, even someone who might disown the holy and righteous one, nonetheless, what God intended for evil, he has, uh, what we intended for evil, God has orchestrated for good. Um, so, so this age of refreshing will become a time of our obedience because our sins have been wiped away. Uh, third, Peter emphasizes again, and it's kind of redundant for us, uh, a little but exceedingly important for Israel, exceedingly important. Christ, uh, whom these 12 apostles is preaching, he is historic Torah. He is the Pentateuch. He is, Christ is the law of Moses fulfilled. And their testimony of Christ, of the twelve, uh, it's vindicated through centuries of prophets. Centuries of prophets. Um, Peter is reassuring Israel by it. P Peter is reassuring his audience, Israel, that by accepting Jesus, you're not deviating from that old-time religion. That, that you so dearly love. You're, you're not departing from what was written by the prophets earlier. Uh, no, rather, every ancient prophet to some degree or capacity 
uh, preached this very same Christ. Uh, I, maybe, perhaps like you, I grew up in a church uh, that essentially uh, I was being taught that the Old Testament Judaism was a different religion than Christianity today. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. We simply have greater revelation today of everything that was promised in the past. All are saved by God's grace and through faith. For today, for today, week one, through placing your faith in Jesus Christ, you and I will enter times of refreshing in our lives. We'll experience refreshing. Hebrews chapter 11 assures that that by faith, Abel offered to God a, a better sacrifice than Cain. Noah, being warned by God about things which were unseen, Noah had never seen it rain in, in, that, in that situation. The ground was still irrigated from underneath the ground pressure for irrigation. Noah had never seen it rain, but being warned by God in reverence, he prepared an ark. What a leap of faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was offering up his only begotten son, considering that God is able to raise people even from the dead. Offering up his only son. Jesus preached in Genesis. Oh, you can bet your life. Bet your life. Um, saints in the Old Testament were saved by God's grace through faith in the unseen. That is the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. That's, that's how they traveled through this world, walking by faith. And to be rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into Christ's kingdom today, just as Noah built the ark, Having never before seen rain, you too will experience salvation by entering Christ's kingdom by faith and not by sight. Does the lame man, thinking back to last week, does the lame man in our story have faith in Christ? Without question, yes. Without question. Verse 16 assures us that he does. Uh, where did that faith come from? You know, we've already concluded that it didn't come from within himself, but, but that the faith had to be granted to him as a gift from God. He didn't just conjure up faith. The same can be said and is true of repentance. You may remember a few weeks ago, um, Scripture described salvation as a combination of two elements, faith and repentance, repentance and faith. Uh, I illustrated them for you like two sides of a penny, if you remember. Uh, faith on one is heads, uh, repentance is tails. Uh, you either have both faith and repentance, or, or you don't have either. You don't have salvation if you don't have both. Repentance, too, we'll see by the time we close. What a gift from God. What a gift from God. Uh, just a few samples here. Jewish Christians in Acts 11, verse 18, 
concluded after observing Cornelius. He said, quote, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. God granted it. Uh, granted Cornelius repentance. Paul instructs a young pastor named Timothy, this is in 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, and verse 25, uh, Paul instructs a young pastor named Timothy saying, with gentleness, correct those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. And then in Acts 5 verse 31, we will learn, uh, we'll learn when we get to chapter 5 that Jesus is the one whom God exalted to His right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So, so both repentance and faith are, are gifts of God. They are granted and given by God. Accordingly, the faith displayed by this lame man does not originate from him, and it also does not originate from Peter and John. Peter declares to this astonished crowd in verse 12, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this, or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety we'd made him walk. Peter's like, he's like what in us? They, they must have fixed their gaze on Peter and John saying, whoa, wow, you guys are awesome. Isn't that what we do? We like to assign credit to men. Peter immediately clarified that this healing is not from us. And we also know it's not from the man. It's rather from Jesus Christ. Verse 16, And on the basis of faith in His name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. They're familiar with Him. And the faith which comes through Him referring to Jesus again, has given the man the perfect health in the presence of you all. The faith, the, the perfect health was given the man. Now, admittedly, we need to be honest here. Admittedly, the faith belongs now to the man. He was lame. Now he has faith. It belongs to him. He's taken possession of that faith. It, it is his faith now, but only because it was first given to him. He received it as a gift. Uh, it is appropriate to say that after he received it, that faith now belongs to the man. It's also acceptable to conclude his choices from the point of salvation to follow Jesus, are his own. But only because God first chose to make this dead man alive. He may sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. But we know that he only decided that because he was made alive by Christ. A man spiritually dead in his trespasses and sins needs to become a recipient of life first. And we know from Scripture it is God who made him alive. Uh, just as Jesus had described to Nicodemus, 
This lame man has been born again. We know from John 1 and verse 13, it's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? The will of God. It's of God. Romans 9.16 gives conclusive evidence of God's choice. Uh, it does not depend upon the man who wills or the man who strives, but on God who has mercy. That is God's grace. God must first grant life, and then times of refreshing will come. And Peter in verse 15 describes Jesus as, this is Jesus, He is the Holy and Righteous One. Folks, He is the Prince of Life. The one whom, whom God raised from the dead. Jesus is, is both the first raised from death to life, and He is the Prince of Life. What, what a title. Your, prob, your, your Bible probably has a footnote there next to Prince. It, it may be in the margin that says this, this title, Prince, describes Jesus as the author of life. Capital A, the author of life. Uh, the Greek connotation uh, implies or assures Jesus is the author. He is the originator. He is the origin of life. Jesus is truly the giver of life. He gives life. He himself said, this is magnificent, in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. In John, a little later, in John 17, verse 2, this is during what is referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer to the Father, uh, speaking of Himself as the Son. Jesus prays this to His Father. You gave Him, referring to the Son, you gave the Son authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given Him, He may give eternal life. God grants repentance. He gives faith as a gift. Jesus gives eternal life. What did the lame man in our narrative, what did he contribute to his salvation? Nothing. Nothing. He, he's portrayed as nothing beyond a crippled dependent he, he, he's incapable even of meeting his own needs. He can't make his own needs, meet his own needs. He, he's hoping that someone, anyone will come by and take care of him. He's sitting there helpless, hoping someone will come and finally take care of him. Folks, is this how you see yourself today? I wish someone would take care of me. And that you bring nothing to offer in exchange. Nothing to offer God in exchange for forgiveness. 
You're like, I need a gift. I need a gift. Folks, that is God's grace. The word grace itself means gift. Folks, don't, don't miss this today. God freely gives. He freely gives in Christ Jesus. But it's not until the moment you recognize that, that you as a sinful man or a sinful woman uh, bring nothing to the table that God is impressed with. Nothing he needs, nothing he wants, no expertise you can help offer, no advice to give to God. Uh, it is at the point of surrender to God that you need Him, that you will realize the times of refreshing have now come to your life. Verse 19 contains God's offer that remains effective to this very day. Quote, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. A period of refreshing for your life. It's offered from the throne of God's grace. It's freely given. You, you merely have to receive forgiveness. Salvation is a free gift sent to you from the presence of the Lord Jesus uh, who is sitting on His throne. Folks, He's calling out to you. He, he is calling out to every person here. Enter the presence of my kingdom. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know my voice. I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. Ah, oh, folks, life is so short. Forgiveness of sins is more precious than, than gold, even much fine gold, uh, and it is extended freely from the Good Shepherd. Let's admit it. Folks, living in darkness has been rough. Living apart from God is tough. Chasing a world of emptiness wanting more of it, trying to acquire more emptiness. That's hard. If you have a Bible, look again at verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, just listen to God's voice today. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come. If you find yourself a simple person, kind of a beggar-style person, um, in Matthew 11, verse 25, Jesus gives, gives to His Father this praise his, to His God in heaven. He says, I praise You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have revealed these things to infants. What things? In the context there, the judgment is coming soon. 
Jesus is saying, I thank you, Father, that you have revealed this to infants. And therefore, Jesus continues, you've revealed this to infants. Oh, yes, Father. For this way was well-pleasing in your sight. And then Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Oh, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Oh, my burden is light. In the recesses of your mind, you, you might have concluded before walking in today, God will never forgive me for what I've done. And the reality is, we'll, we'll, we'll express the same. That living in darkness beforehand, uh, we all probably did some pretty awful things. Dreadful things. M maybe there are things nobody except you knows. You might feel you can't even tell anyone. No one. No one would understand. And the burden of your sins is so heavy on your heart today. Um, boy, if that describes you. Let me, let me illustrate grace for you. R rather, let's, let's allow Scripture to illustrate grace. The Jews had delivered and disowned the Holy and Righteous One, the, the Prince of Life. They had betrayed Jesus to the, in the presence of the governor of that region, uh, Pontius Pilate, the judge in the trial. Uh, Pontius Pilate had decided to release Jesus. He said, I find no fault in this man. No sin in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. No, no offense unearthed at trial. Christ was de declared before the people without fault. And the Jews asked for a murder to, murderer to be released instead. Give us Barabbas. We like Barabbas. Uh, Pilate replied, oh, what shall I do with your king? He said, crucify him, kill him, murder him. There is no greater betrayal or injustice through the history of humanity uh, than crying out for the murder of God's only begotten Son. Folks, that, that surely exceeds whatever you've done. The sinless and eternal Son of God, holy and righteous, He was nailed to a cross to bear the full weight of sin, the full punishment of God for your sins. God's justice, justice demands that somebody pay. Sin must be punished by a holy God. Somebody must be punished for what you've done. And God the Son says, Father... I'll do it. Let me take the full punishment, the full weight of all their sin on me. 
Father, let them go free. Let times of refreshing come. No greater love has any man than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. Oh, so if the Son makes you free, oh, you're free indeed. Free indeed. Again, no more unjust display of violence has ever been committed than calling for the Son of God to be crucified. But afterward, how does the Father respond? How does He respond to Israel, to you? Through the Apostle Peter, God says, Repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come. Folks, that is God's grace, freely offered. Essentially, the God of the universe has called out like a father to his children, saying, I I know, I I know you've been very, very bad boys and girls, um, but to display divine greatness, the God of the universe has decided grace and mercy through my Son the penalty for your sins has been paid at the cross. Grace costs you nothing. Take it. God offers a full pardon, calls you to repentance, so that the times of refreshing may come. Folks, what you long for is refreshing. Sorry, you can't experience refreshing without repentance. That that, that would be unfair, untrue to say that you could. Think about this. How, How important is repentance with faith and repentance? Is it optional? Friends, to continue to live in the way that we did prior to Christ, to perpetuate that darkness, it would only perpetuate sorrow and pain in our lives. Just perpetuate the problems. The guilt and the anguish from which we so longed to be set free would only be multiplied and repeated if we did not repent of our sins. How could your life become alive and refreshed If your sin and your self-destruction doesn't change, that's irrational. That's not an offer God makes. That that is uh, irrational. There has to be repentance because to believe that your life could improve, though your behavior hasn't changed, is completely irrational. You'd be stuck in the same awful existence. So when Scripture says that you must repent, that means turn away from your sin and to turn to the foot of the cross, to turn to Christ in faith, it's because that God the Father so dearly loves you. He wants what's best for you. Repentance and faith in Christ. I was reading John Calvin this week 
He, is, he had such tremendous insight. I have to attribute that to, to the time he was in. The, he, he didn't have to deal with all the distractions we do today. Phones going off all the time. Um, one statement he has made is that any call to repentance, the power in repentance, uh, any call to repentance for a changed life, it lacks power unless the offer of full forgiveness is complete. Full forgiveness for sins. Uh, that is because partial forgiveness, some forgiveness, half of forgiveness by any father, I partially forgive you, it would only harden the hearts of the children against that father. That's not God's love. God doesn't hold a grudge. Partial would describe an unforgiving father. Meanwhile, the father's full forgiveness displays love today. Turn it all over. Turn it all over to Christ. God offers you complete forgiveness for all of your sins through faith in Christ. Trust in Him today. Folks, the times of refreshing have come. Let's pray.